1: Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Talk to Plank, episode 95 of Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Oh, I'm Buck Stugout. My name is Nathan Hirsch. I'm with Jake Slobodnik. Jake, we're recording this on a Thursday afternoon, a little early for us. How you doing?
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're recording this on a Thursday afternoon just because um, I am caught up with everything at work. Uh, things have been little up and down this week one of my coworkers caught covid so i've been following in or falling in for them uh which means i've had to go into work at 4 a.m each day this week um then at night i have to call high school basketball so it's like i never get a chance to rest but uh we're doing all right we're still alive spring training just a couple of days away so that's kind of what's getting me through the week uh saturday no yes no what day does spring the spring game start i think it's saturday right Yeah, I believe
1: it's this weekend. But yeah, we're doing our... Good, yeah. What better way to rest than to talk about the Buccos on a podcast? I can't think of anything more relaxing to do. Um, Yeah, I guess we could start here today um, with a little bit of Brian Reynolds news. Um, Pretty much, as we know, Brian Reynolds requested a trade. Last time we talked, he still was requesting a trade, but... As of late this week, there's been some pictures of Reynolds talking with Bob Nutting, the owner of the Pirates, Um, and there's been some reports that the two sides are open to talking again. Jake, I guess my question to you is, do you have any hope that an extension can actually get done And what's that hope looking
0: like? It's grown over the past couple of days. I'm more confident that a deal will be reached. I'm not exactly sure when that will happen, though. I would assume that they would want to lock something up before spring training competition starts because that's sort of when players start to focus on their individual performances and everything outside of baseball signing sort of goes by the wayside. But I was actually talking with uh, one of our members at Bucks Dugout, Austin Beck, told about this this morning because um, he actually texted me at 947 last night, and he said, why do I feel like this Reynolds deal is going to happen? And I agreed with him. You know, it's 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 a difficult thing to think about and scary to think about that Pirates fans are being optimistic, and it's kind of hard to be optimistic about something like this. But like you said, there were pictures of Reynolds and Pirates owner Bob Nutting chatting a couple of days ago. Um, and the overall idea and impression at spring camp right now is that Reynolds is going to get extended. I don't know if there was anything concrete that came out saying that things are getting closer, but I know that emotions, I would say, are a little bit more positive with it. Um, and Austin and I got into a little bit of no, a friendly disagreement. Uh, he said, "Well, anyone can just talk; it doesn't mean that, in my opinion." Um, and then he follows it up with, "He's his boss. Well, you know, you can go to any any job, not like your boss, and uh, not." talk to them as much you could try to stay clear of them but reynolds seems pretty open to talking to him so maybe nutting is trying to plant the seed trying to get things going a little bit and like i said the overall opinion or impression of reynolds is that things are getting a little bit better but i'm more confident about this i think now that we see some interaction face-to-face down at spring camp i think we're we're in a better place than during the off season where a lot of things were just over the phone by email like a lot of virtual connection um I don't know about you but I'm more confident I think something's going to get done. Wow, that's a that's
1: a pretty strong take. Do you think something that is actually it's actually going to get done? Um yeah, I mean, I will say I do think it's a positive that the two sides are talking, like the two camps at least, or they're open to talking. It's not a closed-door situation where Reynolds is basically saying, uh no no, no negotiations right now. You know, he just wants to focus on the season. There's actually an openness to negotiating. It seems, and I think that's key. I feel like that's honestly half the battle. Whether anything actually gets done or not, I'm still in the camp of I'll believe it when I see it. With anything with the Pirates, as we know, it's have never given out a 100 million dollar crack, the biggest contract in team history, came last spring, as we know, when Cabrine Hayes got eight years for 70, which is pathetically low. That's the, I believe, second lowest contract, um, second lowest biggest contract a team has given out behind the A's. So whether it gets done or not, I'm still skeptical, but I'm at least encouraged that there's an openness. Um, I guess my question to you then is, Scale one to 10, what, how confident
0: are you feeling that a deal actually gets done? I'm hovering between like, 7 and 8. I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic about that, and I feel like a lot of fans are. But like I said, the confidence has grown, but I'm just trying to not get to a full 10 as of yet, because then I don't want to let down and, or be let down. And the, the impact of the fall would be a lot more cushioned if I just keep things right near the middle, but I'd have to play it safe, maybe like a 7. Well, that's funny, because a little role
1: reversal here. Usually I'm the optimist and you are the pessimist, but I I'd, I'd still keep it at like a 4 or 5 for me, honestly. Maybe a 3 or 4, because once again, talk all you want. If, if Bob Nutting puts a hard number that he he won't budge against, he won't budge. So we'll see if that's the case with Reynolds. Uh, Bob Nutting had some quotes last night or yesterday. Jason Mackey reported, just typical owner crap, owner talk. We need to be better, blah, 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 blah. I want to win a championship, blah, 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 blah. But until he actually puts his money where his mouth is, we'll see. We will see. Uh other pirates news early here in spring, not great. Tamar Johnson, the Pirates' first round pick last year. I believe it's last year. Yeah, the fourth overall pick. He uh tweaked a hamstring. He's gonna be out about two weeks before doing any other baseball activity. I'm not too, too worried because he's eighteen years old. But anytime a top prospect tweaks something, it's It's a little frustrating because all it really does is hinder development and kind of slow things down. But he's still super young. He himself says he's not too worried about it. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I guess for me, I wanted to see some at bats from him live in spring training games. And if I had to guess now, we're probably not going to see
0: that. But are you worried at all about this? No, because, I mean, injuries are a part of the game, and it's not like he's prone to injuries, and we knew this whenever the Pirates drafted him. And on, and honestly, I mean, judging by the news that I've seen today, and one of the things that really kept my confidence up is Alex Stump. He talked to um, Tamar Johnson at camp today, and Johnson said he feels a lot better. It must be a very minor tweak. It's not like it's going to shelf him for the season or anything. It's just 10 to 14 days. The kid's still 18 or uh, I mean, he's relatively young. Um, so, I mean, if he misses two weeks of his first big league camp, I'm not going to be too disappointed. Now, if this becomes a habitual thing, then I'm going to be a little bit more angry. Uh, it does suck though, that the first round pick curse seems to just keep, seems to just keep plaguing the pirates. Like how many times are we going to see the former first round pick, whatever year it may be, whether it's the first overall gets sidelined almost immediately with the, with an injury. I mean, we saw Henry Davis go out multiple times this past season because he was hit by pitches, and I mean that's just weird happenstance. But uh, he was out for a while. Former first overall pick. Now Johnson doesn't even make it a couple. Doesn't even make it a full week in big league camp, and he's already hurt with hamstring. Uh Nick Gonzalez had yeah, it. Yeah. I don't I don't think Quinn Priester had too many injuries, but he's a pitcher and he's more prone to them now. So I mean obviously we all hope that that never happens, but you never know. I, I just hate this vicious cycle that we're going through. And really it all seems to have just started with uh Quinn Priester, maybe. Like since that since he was drafted, every first round pick has had a significant injury since then. And it it's just as a fan, it's just so frustrating to see because you want to see these kids. Develop quickly and develop early on in their career, but yet they can't because they're always backtracked by an injury. It's just, it's super frustrating.
1: Yeah. And I think, um you know, me personally looking at it, as long as he starts the minor league season on time, I'm all right with it because that's all that really matters. You'd like to see him get some development in the spring, kind of with the big league roster a little bit here for a few weeks. But if it doesn't happen, just get healthy, get ready for the season tear it up in low A, high A, wherever he may start, and just continue to progress through the system. And you know, it's funny, too, even looking ahead to future first-round picks, the Pirates have the first overall pick in the 2023 draft, and right now the consensus top pick, I would guess, is outfielder Dylan Cruz at LSU. And you look at him, I don't know if you saw this, but in one of his games, he got hit by a pitch three times in one game. And it's just, it's funny. It's funny to see that.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, if he gets all of his hit by pitches and injuries out of the way now, that's not a bad thing, especially if the Pirates do go out and get him. But (laughs) maybe it's a little bit of foreshadowing, maybe not to take him. Um, But man, Dylan Cruz is something different. I know we could talk about him for hours, just about what he could possibly bring to the Pirates system. But yeah, I think it's a little bit of foreshadowing the consensus among social media is that Dylan Cruz is going to the pirates and the considering he's like you said, been hit by a pitch so many times could, uh, I mean, he's more prone to an injury because of that. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a vicious cycle. It really is. But I don't know. It maybe it's just, maybe we're just overthinking things as fans, as bloggers, as podcasters. And we just, we, we expect the worst. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm
1: not saying that I think that he's uh hit by pitch prone quite like someone like Henry Davis, but it's just funny to see just already. Uh, Pirates haven't even picked the guy yet, but keeping tabs on him, you see, you watch, you tune into one game, he's getting hit by a pitch three times in a row. It's just, it's funny to see. Did you see the new scoreboard at PNC Park?
0: Yeah, I saw some of the specs about it. Um, I think it's pretty cool. A lot. Of, it's funny seeing the negative reaction on social media about it, though. Because, I mean, you have your major, your, your simple guys that are saying, hey, we can spend more on a scoreboard that didn't need updated, which it really did, uh, but we can't afford to pay Brian Reynolds his salary. It's fun watching these correlations and how funny they are, but I, I, I'm excited. Yeah. I think with the way the Pirates creative team has sort of taken a new approach over the past couple of years, I think this really expands our opportunities to create more innovative content. I think that what there's capability now for 16-bit stuff, so in a way we're improving to you go know, retro. I don't, it's it's a weird thing to think about, but I, it would be cool to see some like 16-bit pirates players up there. Like there's just a lot of things that they can do with it, and if I can pull it up now, I mean I saw some of the things, but I, you know I'm with the majority that that, that scoreboard definitely needed upgraded. It was bit it's been like that what since it opened in 2001, so. I mean considering it's been the same scoreboard for um god 21 years uh yeah I think it's time for a change let's see there's new it's an LED scoreboard uh fascia ribbon boards and in-park sound system I should probably know exactly what that is considering I'm a media guy but I mean just seeing all the new things that the scoreboard comes with I'm excited to see what the in-house experience is like for fans Because, like, I mean, I know you and I have both attended multiple games last year, and the fan experience was all right, but, I mean, it definitely needed a bit of an upgrade just to bring into the modern day. So, I don't know what exactly they're going to bring, but I'm excited to see. Yeah, it is funny. Uh, The low-hanging fruit
1: joke there as well, they got a new scoreboard. I kind of would have liked to see a new left fielder to a multi-year deal, but the scoreboard will do. Yeah, no, I I will say I I think there's something to be said for the fact that over the past two seasons, PNC Park has improved, I wouldn't say dramatically, but a decent bit because you look at this past season, uh, the 22 season, they added the bar in center field, which personally I absolutely love. They also have the bar in left field. I think that improves the fan experience. They – kind of shrunk down the center field stands a little bit to put that center field bar in. I don't know about you, but my go-to seat these days when I go to a game, especially if it's not too busy at PNC Park, I don't even need a ticket. I can get a standing room-only ticket. I can go sit. They have tables out by that bar, have a few drinks. The view is still really great. Um, it's, It's really nice, and you can see the scoreboard from there. I love that. And with the scoreboard, I'm excited to see it in person. I'm excited to see, like you said, what kind of uh, content they put on it. But you're right. It did need upgraded. Um, I thought it was pretty funny seeing like pictures of helicopters installing pieces of the scoreboard. But it does look like it's maybe double the size that it was. So pretty cool. Anything to increase the fan experience... Obviously, the number one way to increase the fan experience is to uh, have a good team. But at least with the stadium, things are being upgraded here and there, keeping it modern, keeping it the best stadium in America, which I believe is still true. So kudos to uh, PNC Park here. And I guess I guess Bob Nutting? I don't know. I'm not really good for that.
0: I don't know, maybe credit goes to Travis Williams, even though he keeps his head buried in the sand 90% of the time. He does do some yeah. things, I guess. But I mean, if we're talking to go to seating, and I didn't really expect to talk about my favorite location in PNC Park today, but I think it's yeah, I think Here it's go good ahead. to talk about considering the season's coming up. But I don't know about you. I I am honestly in love with the nosebleeds at PNC Park. I think the cityscape, the rivers behind PNC Park, you can see everything, especially in like the 220 area, which is like that area with, um, I'm trying to try to best describe it. There's like that club seating. Yes, I think so. It's got like a little restaurant area where you can walk through and there's like memorabilia with the pirates. Like, I think, I think that's what you're talking about, but I think that's my favorite area mainly because there's seats where I can seclude myself from everybody else. But I mean, I can, it's kind of where, it was where I took my girlfriend last year for her first ever pirate game. And it was the one against the Padres where Michael Chavis ripped one down the left field line to tie it. I mean, we went nuts. It was a perfect view of everything. The ball going out Chavis pimping out the home run and just the game itself. It was just really fun to watch. And from that area, it kind of put the perspective on there's never a bad seat in the house. So, I mean, if we're talking the best areas in the park, That's a very underrated one, in my opinion. But, yeah, and plus, with this new scoreboard, I think it's going to make things a lot easier to see on there from those seats where I'm at. Not to say that it was difficult to see at first, but it was a little bit whenever the sun would glare on it. And, you know, maybe if you're sitting higher in the nosebleeds, it's a little bit more of a challenging view. But with this new scoreboard and how they've expanded it, I think it's going to be a lot easier to see no matter where you're at.
1: Yeah, and, hey, updated scoreboard. Perhaps we'll see some updated stats. Perhaps we'll see some exit velocities, some pitch break information. That's what I'm hoping for. But yeah, like you said, uh, there really isn't a bad seat in PNC Park. My least favorite seat probably is the left field bleachers because, as we know, left field in PNC Park is huge. So you're kind of far away from the plate. Uh, You don't get to see the scoreboard, but anywhere else in the stadium besides that, nosebleeds included, even High up in the 300 section, you can still see the game super easily. It kind of goes without being said here that there there really is not a bad view in the the entire park. I guess besides the bar view, I'm a big right field stands guy just because you're kind of high up. You can see everything, the possibility of catching a home run, which has never happened for me or come close, but... I enjoy that. You're
0: out in the sun. That's my favorite, probably. Yeah, that's not a bad area. I've been out there a couple of times, but yeah, I think the right side, right line, or the how am I saying? The line down right, the box seats and nosebleeds I think are very good, because like I said, you get that picturesque view and the scoreboard, and you can see everything pretty well on the field. And, And I mean, you get those for rather cheap compared to other seats, so I mean, that's the best area. Bar area and center field, I think, was a great addition to that park, because I mean, like you said, it's fun, it's nice to just be able to walk in. There's a big enough bar where everybody can be served rather quickly and efficiently. And you can easily just go right to your seats after that. I think it's great. I remember a lot of people, I don't know if you remember this, but whenever they first announced that, there was a lot of like negative feedback, like, oh, of course they can't fill the stadium, so they're gonna take seats out to make it look like it's even more packed. Like, but now you see where what exactly happened to that area, and you look back on it and think, man, that was a really good investment by the Pirates.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. All right, back to the baseball a little bit. Last week, we kind of talked about maybe some position battles, and I will say, I think maybe we kind of undersold the starting starting pitcher position battle. Basically, in my head, I was thinking five-man rotation with Mitch Keller, Rowanzi Contreras, Rich Hill, JT Brubaker, and Vince Velasquez, but... I've kind of heard some possibilities that they might go to a six-man rotation, which I would not be opposed to. And if that were the case, that would open up a spot for someone like Johan Oviedo, Luis Ortiz, or probably not Michael Burrows to open the season. I think he's more of a depth piece. But I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on the idea of having a six-man rotation, who you'd like to see in it, just
0: the overall scope of – what the starting rotation might look like. Like you, I'm 110% for that. I think giving our top-end rotation guys an extra day of rest, that's never a bad thing, um, and I think it only benefit them. And, I mean, we have the depth that we can afford some of the arms there, and you know, we can put them in the sixth guy. My vote would probably have to go to Johan Oviedo first, just because I feel like I've seen a lot more consistency out of him, and I feel like he made a couple more starts last year that he's kind of earned that position. He looks like he's improved. He put up some decent numbers with the Pirates. Yeah, he had a couple off days, but still, I think he's fine. I think he's rightfully earned that. And if they're trying to sort of, I guess, mature Luis Ortiz to the point where he can be a consistent starter, then maybe I would say that he is number one and first in line on the pecking order to be sent down to AAA to get more reps down there. Uh, Johan Oviedo, I think, could be the sixth man. And then he'll eventually move up to maybe that number five slot. Once Ortiz is ready and Velasquez is probably going to do terribly. They bump him down to the, either the bullpen or probably a DFA and they can bring Luis Ortiz up and they still have a solid six man rotation. Or even like you said, Michael Burroughs, whenever he's matured as well and say, Johan Oviedo doesn't do the greatest. They can move him into that long, long relief role, put Ortiz in his role. And then when Burrows is ready, they bring him up too. So, like I said, they have the depth. And plus, we got to think about Quinn Priester. He's he's right on the edge of coming up to the majors this season. So I think what they're going to do is maybe like a trial and error run with Vince and Oviedo. Depending on what they do in the starting role, they're going to be sent back into the bullpen if possible. But like if maybe they somehow both just really spark this year, it's going to delay some things. But like that's going to be their. I would think that's their landscape for now. Ortiz will... Be there, maybe as like a long relief spot starter guy. That when Burrows and Priest are ready, they're going to move them up into the permanent rotation slot. It's hard to think about, especially with all this depth, because I think we're so used to talking about the lack thereof of the Pirates' depth in pitching. But my vote would go to Johan Oviedo just because of what he would what he showed us last year, followed by Vince, um, obviously because he's the veteran guy. If they don't work out. You bump up Luis Ortiz and or Quinn Priester. If Ortiz doesn't work out and he's a better long reliever, move Quinn Priester back in there and Michael Burrows in there just to see what they do. And then you can sort of plug and play from there to see what these guys can really bring. So yeah, I'd go over Yato. Yeah, I think I
1: agree with that. And just to further the point of having a six man rotation, which I don't, I don't even know why I didn't think of that last week. You look at it last season, Mitch Keller threw 159 innings that led the team Right behind him was JT Brubaker at 144 innings. And then after that, it was Zach Thompson, 121 two-thirds, Bryce Wilson, 115 and two-thirds. You look at the starting rotation now, I think think Keller can be a guy that flirts with 180 innings this season. And perhaps JT Brubaker is a guy that gets up towards 150, 160. Rowan Contreras pitched 95 innings with the Pirates last year, but about 130 innings total. So that was the biggest innings total for him by far in his young career as a professional. So maybe he sticks around 130. Maybe he can bump that up, maybe 10 or so more innings. But you look at the other guys, Rich Hale's 42. You probably don't expect more than 120 innings out of him. And then it's just, it's young guys. Luis Ortiz, if the Pirates got... Ninety to hundred innings out of him, that would be cool, same with Oviedo, same with Burroughs uh Vince Velazquez. I kind of agree with you. I think he should have a short leash. We'll see he has a major league contract, so he'd probably have to be an absolute complete disaster to um remove from the starting rotation, but even looking at him, I don't see more than hundred or so innings, so I think a six man rotation makes sense. Fill out the bullpen you'll have 13 pitchers uh, on the team. So that makes sense to me. I do do feel pretty confident, though, about the the pitching staff, at least the starting staff, to start the season. I think Keller, he can take another jump forward. Um, The ERA last year, 391, the XFIP, 399, so around the same. If he can get that down into the 3.5s, even the 3.6s, 3.7s, I think that would be a win. Brubaker, the ERA didn't look great, but he was a bit unlucky. His ex-fip was almost a full run lower than his ERA. I think he can be, if he can be a tad more consistent this season, I think he has really good stuff and he should stick in the bullpen. Or, uh, sorry, the starting rotation. Contreras, I expect to take a step forward. And then hopefully with the veterans, they kind of eat innings. So we'll see. Yeah,
0: it'll definitely be a step up from last year. I'm we well, all talk about the guys who we already expect to be on the Major League roster come opening day, but I've also been sort of dabbling into my dark horses and I want to ask you, who do you think could break Major League camp, maybe be like the Diego Castillo of 2023 but obviously a little bit better than him? Yeah, that's a good question. I I feel like I feel like it would
1: have to be a pitcher because looking at the starting lineup, I think it's pretty much. I wouldn't say set set in stone, but you look at it. There's there's maybe one bench spot that that could um, open up here, and I, I don't know. Ryan Velade, uh, Cal Mitchell, who knows? But I think wow. if there is a spot to be had, it would be it would be a pitcher. Um, and looking at it, I'm just looking at some of the non-roster invites pitching-wise, and there's a decent amount. There's some of these um, minor league signings. There's like Caleb Smith, Tyler Chatwood, kind of veteran guys. But I said this on another pod. I'm really intrigued to see what Kyle Nicholas brings this spring. Obviously, we'll have a better a better gauge of perhaps – the answer to this question once some games are played. But I'm really interested in, in uh, Kyle Nicholas as kind of a relief option. Maybe he can slide onto the team as a middle relief guy.
0: That's a that's a good guess. I'm going to say, I, I don't know why, but I'm leaning really towards Colin Selby. I mean, he was a surprise when they added him to the 40-man roster in the offseason. But, I mean, he's coming off of a strong campaign at 227 ERA Bounced between double-A and triple-A last year. Oh, I don't think he – did he play a game in triple-A? I have to look at this now. Yeah, he played three games. I Gave up a couple in runs. Not too bad, but something tells me if he has a strong spring, and I know they're going to use him here and there, maybe early in games and later as spring training evolves, they're going to put him deeper in situations. But I feel like Colin Selby could crack the bullpen just because the bullpen talent is just so bad. There's a lot of people who can easily be taken off and I'm not going to get into that because I've already done that multiple times on this show, and so it would be like just a broken record. But I think Selby, with how young he is, with the Pirates' faith in him to add him to the 40-man and protect him from the Rule 5 draft, I think he's a solid candidate to possibly break big league camp.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've been saying this all off season two. It's just any any bullpen spot is open for the taking Um, because you look at it, it's basically – Bednar is the closer and that's pretty much it. I wouldn't be surprised to see like you think about it. Will Crow probably has a spot. Dwayne Underwood Jr. probably has a spot, but like how, how set in stone is that? I don't, I don't really, I don't really think that anyone in this bullpen has job security, I guess. And I, I definitely think that uh, literally any, any pitcher has an opportunity to emerge and maybe it is a Colin Selby. Maybe it is a Kyle Nicholas. Maybe it's uh just name anyone. Looking at it here, actually, though, I'm looking at the zips projections. And they have Kyle Nicholas. These are uh based on if you pretty much get a full season, but they have Kyle Nicholas. If he were to get 88 innings, which I don't see, they project him as like a five ERA guy. But they also project him as a starter, which I don't really I don't know. I don't know if I see him as a starter, but we'll see with the bullpen. They have Selby 44 innings. They have a minus 0.2 war, but who knows (laughs) so much needs to sort out between now and opening day in the bullpen. I'm just kind of excited to see who really takes the reins in spring training, because that's like the main, the main uh, position that there can be competition at. All
0: right, moving on here, I guess I don't know. Who are you most excited to see during spring training? Andy, without a doubt. I mean, with how versatile he is, how well he or how quickly he progressed to the system. I'm just really excited to see what he can bring. I mean, what, what do I need to say that hasn't been said already? And I mean, just, he's just a wow factor. I mean, you watch him play. He's, he's small, doesn't have a gigantic build, but yet his power, I think is what really shows off his character or in terms of how he performs on the field obviously the versatility is a big thing. He just goes against so many norms. Like I'm going to go back to his physique one more time. And the dude is short. I don't want to say scrawny because he is built, but when when compared to the rest of the major league teams or major league players, he's pretty scrawny, but yet his pop times really good. He is very athletic. He can play multiple positions. He hits very well. And like I said, that power just everything about him is just great to see. And I hope that once he's put in a big league scenario, he just impresses right off the bat. I hope I'm hoping and pulling for a strong spring camp. Yeah. And maybe wiry is a better term for him
1: because yeah, he, he is six foot. So he's not exactly super short, but he's listed at 170 pounds. And I honestly, I didn't really realize that when, when looking at him, it's interesting because he definitely has room to fill out. So there could be even more power potential for him. And yeah, I agree. I'm excited to see both him and Henry Davis in spring training. I'm excited to see kind of how they're deployed, um, how many innings they get to catch. And honestly, moving forward as the season goes along, once the minor league season gets started, are they both in AAA? Are they both catching? Do we see Andy Rodriguez perhaps in a corner outfield spot a little bit? Do we see Henry Davis spend some time at first base? Do they split time catching That'll be really interesting to see, and I'm excited to see what they have to bring in spring training. I guess for me, as far as what I'm looking for in spring training, I think Rodolfo Castro is really intriguing. I don't really think he has to prove anything this spring. I think he did a really great job of kind of cementing his spot on the 26-man roster down the stretch last season. But he might be the team's X factor this season offensively. Because you look at it, he'll probably start the season hitting maybe seventh or eighth, maybe even ninth in the order. Probably eighth. Austin Edges will hit ninth. But you look at it, he he's a guy that he has 20 to 30 home run power. Uh he's a switch hitter. He gets on base. He walks more than I would have thought. His walk rate is in the 10% range. So I I'm really hoping that he can be the guy that he was last year and maybe even take a step forward. Because if that's the case, then, I mean, you look at it with Reynolds, with Cruz, with the first base DH duo in Carlos Santana and G man Choi with Andrew McCutcheon, perhaps uh, rejuvenated being back in Pittsburgh. This offense has a chance to be a little potent, a little scrappy. They're definitely going to get on base. They're going to walk. They're going to beat some non-shifts, I believe. And if Rodolfo Castro can emerge as maybe not middle of the lineup type guy, but maybe someone that you can slot sixth in your order on a good team, which I believe he has that potential after watching last season. I think that'll be huge.
0: Yeah. Last year kind of showed what he really can bring to the table. And when he first came up in the big leagues, I was kind of intrigued by him, but then he went cold and I think he was just trying to focus too much on his power game instead of just making contact. And last year, I think he really simplified his hitting approach toward the end of the season, especially. And I hate to bring this up, but it seems like after that cell phone incident, that's when he really started to heat up. I think he was just trying to take the negative, atmosphere off of him and put himself in a better light, which I think he did. Like, like I've said before, watching him in the minor leagues, the guy can hit and he knows, you know, he knows what to do with the play. He knows how to field. like there's everything about him that his, his ceiling is so high, but a lot of people I think have written him off already because of the, you know, plethora of talent that we have on the team already. And I think a lot of people would rather see G1 Bay there instead of Castro, but I'm with you. I think Castro has rightfully earned a spot on the 26 man roster at second base on opening day, and really, like you said, if he can generate some turnover from the bottom of the lineup, because we all know Austin Hedges probably won't. So if, if Castro can be that guy to generate some late, like um, late lineup power, I guess, and I think we're going to be fine as long as we can find some consistency through all aspects of the lineup. Not everybody has to be a star, and I think Rodolfo Castro can be that. Maybe that Swiss Army knife. I think that's the the best way I can describe him and what my expectations are.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you look at them last season, 278 plate appearances with the pirates, 11 home runs. So that's about a half season's worth of plate appearances. He could easily be a 20 home run guy. And there's definitely a world where you look at it middle of the, the field position players, shortstop, second base center field catcher. You don't get a lot of pop, but by the end of the season, the pirates could have four legitimate, 20 home run guys at each of those positions with Cruz, obviously at short Castro at second Reynolds in center field. He's already a 20 to 30 home run guy and either Andy Rodriguez, Henry Davis, or the combination of the two, there's some power there as well. There's some real potential with this pirates lineup. And I do love team building wise, how they've kind of focused on, Building through the middle. I don't even know if they've focused on that, but how it's worked out building the team through the middle, because you look at it, besides Henry uh, Davis and Andy are both Sherrington guys, but Castro, Cruz, Reynolds, those are all Neil Huntington guys, but that's besides the point. I just like how this team is constructed offensively, and they're built through the middle, and then they're complemented with the corner guys. And I mean, honestly, you could throw Hayes into the core part of that conversation, but you look at Sewinski, you look at McCutcheon, you look at Choi and Santana over at first base. I just I like how this be this team looks offensively, defensively. We'll see. Hopefully, Cruz can get better. I know Jason Mackey's been talking about uh, watching Cruz on defense. He's he's looked better taking ground balls. He looks smooth. It looks like he's getting his feet underneath him is what Mackey said, which the pirates want. So that's good. Castro. I think he's pretty solid at second Reynolds. He needs to get back to 2021 20, Reynolds defensively. Swinsky, I think is a very good outfielder. Kutch. He's still fast. First base. Troy's one of the best first basemen defensively in baseball. Cabrine Hayes, as we know, might be the best defender at any position in the sport. And, with hedges to start the season, he's solid. So I don't know, I guess, I guess we'll see, but on the position side of things, I'm, I'm very excited for this team.
0: Me too. And especially after watching how some of the senior guys have come in and really helped lead the team and those young guys, like i saw a picture of Carlos Santana walking and talking with O'Neal Cruz. And that just, I don't know, that just made me more excited because it seems like things are, you know, these, this team is getting along with each other very quickly and I think the best picture that encapsulates this entire spring experiment, Rich Hill showing Oviedo how to throw how to perfect his curveball. I think that right there, it, it put into picture and you know, just put into an image that, you know, this is what Ben Charrington wanted this offseason. He wanted to plug and play, wanted to bring some guys in that'll lead. And that's exactly what he's getting. So I'm excited. Yeah, I agree. The the meshing of legitimate big league veterans
1: infusing them to this young raw talent which they are that's what they are they're young they're raw they have never won they've they've been a 100 loss team basically for for a while now but if the talent's there if it can kind of get rounded into form with the help of some of these veterans i think the pirates will be able to take a take a pretty big step this season and maybe improve their win total by 10 to 15 wins, which isn't in the grand scheme. Like there literally is nowhere to go, but up, but you know, you look at the end of 2023, if they are a 70 to 75 win team, I think that will be, that'll be an improvement. And that's all I'm really asking for. All
0: right, Jake, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we uh, sign off today? Um, I know there was one thing that we wanted to talk about, um, I don't know if you want to break the news or me or um don't know how you want to go about that. Yeah. So,
1: uh basically our lovely podcast here Talk the Plank, um we are a part of SB Nation and Vox Media, but SB Nation and Vox are pretty much cutting all of their podcasts. So, over the past few weeks, Jake and I have been looking around to different places to see where we could continue talking Pirates. And luckily, we've found a place to continue potting. And this is actually pretty good news, I would say, because we're going to continue potting. We actually want to grow a little bit, and we're going to be joining the Fan First Sports Network, which is going to be a new network with a whole bunch of pods for a whole bunch of teams, Pirates included. And Jake and I have actually been looking around to find more podcasters that want to talk about the Pirates because we want to put out more shows during the season, and we have some plans to do that. So I guess, too, we could say if you're a podcaster and you're interested in the Pirates and would like to uh, reach out to Jake or I, obviously, we're on Twitter. We give our Twitters out. You could also email me. All the information is in the uh, article in which you find this episode so yeah i mean i guess i'll just say follow me on twitter at nathan dot or sorry nathan underscore
0: Hirsch. You can find me there and just dm me dm jake jake your twitter yeah and then i'll go one step further my twitter is underscore radio jake and i mean we're just trying to vary up some of the things that we see here at bucks dugout obviously talk the plank is a mainstay uh that's our main show um we're also going to be doing some different things in terms of our upload schedule. We're going to try to do some audio recaps of games and other things like that. Um, and we also want to get some fan discussion in there. So really if, if you have an idea for a show, don't be afraid to pitch it to us and you know, maybe we could work something out where you could join us. And that's what we're here about. We're here for the fans. We're here for the, we're here for you. We're here for the content creators and we're here to have some fun and talk, talk uh, bucks baseball, talk some plank, talk some plank.
1: Yeah. So it, it does kind of stink that SP Nation kind of let go all their podcasts, but at least with us, we're excited to kind of start this new uh, adventure, I guess you could say. And nothing's really going to change on on our end. We're going to keep dropping pods, and I believe we are able to keep the Talk the Plank name. But, uh, yeah, we're excited to keep going, drop more content, more pods for uh, you guys,
0: and continue to grow here. Yeah, and uh, Nate, if we can, can we just thank uh, Jeff Hartman from Behind the Steel Curtain and his partner, I forget his name, Um, but we want to thank Jeff and those guys for bringing us on and being so welcoming to us, and it's going to be an exciting venture, and we're glad that you're able to join. For sure, yeah. He reached out to us, and uh, we got talking,
1: and it really does seem like the Fan First Sports Network is trying to build something solid for podcasters and for the fans obviously so we're excited to to start there um yeah jake it's been a pleasure if there's nothing else you want to talk about
0: um we can we can get up on out of here oh one more thing the new the first episode on the fan first sports network it will be a show starring former pirate shortstop Jordy Mercer. So we're kicking off our transition on a very high note. So be on the lookout for that episode. That'll that's it for me. Yeah. That is super exciting. Um I can't wait to talk to him, pick his brain
1: about kind of both his career and what he sees in the pirates now because I'm I'm I've been brewing up some questions and I'm excited. So yeah, um that will be awesome. And yeah, just keep, keep looking out for uh, our next podcast. Uh, We'll be, we'll be continuing. So we're excited for that. All right, Jake, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. As always. Thanks to the listeners. Uh, We appreciate you. We're excited for a new pirate season. It's funny when this podcast was started, the pirates were in the absolute gutter and kind of have been through the entirety of this podcast. But I think 2023 is the season where we start to maybe begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel more wins at least that's all that's all we're hoping for but uh yeah we are excited everyone have a great rest of your day uh we'll be back next week a part of the new network and uh peace out have a good one thanks for listening